You are listening to Bloomberg Business Week. So our next guest, we last talked to uh, him at what was a really rough time. It was more than a year ago. He's someone who has brought innovation to education, really changed the space. Sal Khan is the founder of Khan Academy. It's the nonprofit that set out to provide a great education to all students around the globe. And uh, with more than 1 billion children worldwide impacted by school closures because of the pandemic, Khan Academy, we saw them step up in a big way and providing their free resources. Sal is back with us on the phone in Mountain View, California. Sal, it is so nice to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to have you here. We did talk to you in May of 2020. Tell me what's been going on with you and Khan Academy since then. Yeah, back last year, uh, it was one of those moments where we looked left and looked right and realized that uh, this was us, (laughs) that people were going (laughs) to need something to get them through all of the school closures and the disruptions, keep them learning over the summer and we saw our traffic uh, go about 3x of normal. Normally, we see about 30 million learning minutes per day. We saw that grow to about 85, 90. Wow. And the, the pandemic kept going longer than folks expected. Uh, they continued to lean on it. In 2020, we saw 12 billion learning minutes on Khan Academy. About half of that, 6 billion, is students and families coming on their own. 6 billion has been what we call teacher-directed, teachers uh, getting students to use it. And we've just been trying to keep up with the demand. We've accelerated a whole series of courses. We're going to be launching science within the year. We've always had science on Khan Academy, but this is comprehensive practice, assessment, feedback, middle school, high school, early college, chemistry, biology, physics, econ, other things. Um, So we're excited about that. And on top of that, uh, as part of the pandemic response, this time last year, we, we started a prototype, another nonprofit called Schoolhouse.World, to give everyone free tutoring. And since then, that's grown. That's gotten some uh, philanthropic funding behind it. We've had a bunch of states sign on because everyone's talking about tutoring, but no one knows really how to scale it. And the way we're scaling it is we're getting high-quality vetted volunteers from all over the world to tutor people from all over the world. It's incredible, the network that you've created. You were founded, I think, right back in 07. I remember doing a piece on you as you had kind of started out. What's changed in terms of the work that you're doing, the groups that you're reaching, and how people are looking at you and your role in education? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned back in 2007, <laughs> you know, there's multiple possible starting points for Khan Academy was 2004, I started tutoring family. 2005, I started making software for them. 2006, I started making videos. And so 2007 was the very early days of Khan Academy. I was still working as my day job as an analyst at a hedge fund. And um, by, you know, it wasn't until 2009 that I quit, quit that day job. And in 2010, we got our first real philanthropic funding to become an organization. But what's changed in the macro environment is you know, some of these ideas that learning should not be bound by time or space or that personalized learning or that you could get really high-quality learning and practice on the Internet, those were avant-garde ideas in 2007. Now those are mainstream ideas, and the, the pandemic accelerated it. Another big, I would say, condition that has changed is in 2007 it was unusual, even for reasonably well-resourced schools, to have a decent Internet access and devices over the last 10 years, at least in the school setting, because of programs like E-Rate, you've actually seen that close, but then the pandemic has put a spotlight on the digital divide at home, but hopefully it's accelerated people wanting to address that. Mm-hmm. In terms of us, you know, in 2007, it was me in my closet <laughs> doing it as a hobby, and, you know, now we have 120 million registered users. There's, there's 50, 60 languages. We're trying to cover all the subjects and grades. We're thinking about even ways that Mastery on Khan Academy can help you get into college or, or help you get a job. 
and and uh, you know we're continuing to expand the number of subjects. We're going into tutoring uh, with that related entity called Schoolhouse. So yeah, it's, there's a lot going on. Well, you know, it stuck out to just many things, but you also talked about the digital divide, and I think it's interesting on a day where we had President Biden come out and, you know, hopeful about his physical infrastructure plan, you know, and that includes, you know, the digital infrastructure that's in our country. How much, from what you are seeing, the schools you're talking to, the individuals you're talking to, how much of that creates a real uh, obstacle when it comes to learning in this country? Yeah, well... You're not going to be able to engage in the types of things that we're talking about, leverage a Khan Academy, leverage a schoolhouse.world, unless uh, you have some access. And we saw this during the pandemic that it was hard for schools to figure out even how to create a hybrid learning program or a distance learning program. But it was that much harder if you're in a urban school district where 20, 30, 40 percent of students did not have sufficient access. And even in cases where people might have had a computer at home or a cell phone, you you still would have had a situation where five family members would have to share that same device or students didn't just have the right supports at home. Their parents might have been essential workers. And so I, I think, uh, you know, by putting a spotlight on that, where people have done some pretty heroic efforts at, at trying to solve it. Hey, what I want to ask you, too, is summer programs, summer school. We see some school districts providing learning over the summer as a way to catch up. Uh, from some learning missed as a result of schools being shut down by the pandemic. $1.2 billion in federal funding has been allocated for what they are calling evidence-based summer enrichment programs. What summer programs, what summer schools, what summer learning makes a difference in your view? I think with all things, it's something where, one, you have to do it regularly. Uh, you almost have to create a habit of it. And for us, it, if you can, if students can engage you know, the technical term is in their zone of proximal development, which is a fancy way of saying they're learning edge. If it's too hard, they're not going to be able to learn much. And if it's too easy, they're not going to be learning much. And what technology and what Khan Academy has always been focused on is how do we help a teacher? How do we help an educator or a parent or even a student on their own? How do we help them practice and finish any unfinished learning right at their learning edge? So we have Camp Con, which is a summer program. Anyone can use it around the world. It's free. It's all not for profit. Where we're saying, hey, come spend 15, 20 minutes a day. Build that habit. Learn at your, at your learning edge. We have what's called get ready for grade level courses. If you want to bone up and refresh the things you need going into the next year, or you can go into the grade level courses and get a head start on things. If you do that, and I recommend that to anyone I meet, I try to do that with my own children, uh, you're, you're going to have a leg up when you get back to school. Now, Everything isn't just about the academics. We know that we just got out of a pandemic. People have felt socially isolated. So also, the more time, especially younger kids, can get outside with friends now that the restrictions are starting to loosen, that's going to be really important as well. We've been talking a lot about the learning loss and the academic stuff. That matters, and I've called that a disaster recovery project going into this summer and next year. But I think that social-emotional side is also not getting enough attention. You know, it's interesting, too, Khan, and uh, I mean, Sal, I wonder your your take on this, because you, I mean, my daughter used Khan Academy, loved it for, whether it was math or science, you know, just a great resource to understand sometimes really complicated things. You figured out really how well to connect with students in the online world. We know the online learning experience, though, especially for younger kids, wasn't always so productive and didn't work so well during the pandemic. So... What's the key to getting it right, to getting it, or to doing it wrong? Well, I think in, well, I think there's a couple of pitfalls that people get into when they 
think about online or technology is a lot of times they think about the technology first uh, mm-hmm. and they say, okay, let's just use the technology. Let's do something modern. And that's the, that's, that's the backwards way of looking at it. You should say, what's your pedagogical goal here? Is your pedagogical goal to allow for personalization, to let students learn at their own time and pace, to let them finish any unfinished learning they might have had? Then think about what tools. The tools might be chalk. It might be the human being in the room, or it might be software. It might be uh, a Khan Academy or something like that. I also think a lot matters on the implementation of the idea or of the technology. It was a blessing that Khan Academy started off as a project for me tutoring my family. That allowed me to bring, a, I would say, an eccentricity, an informality, uh, authenticity to the content, whether it's the software or the videos, that wouldn't have come natural to a large <laughs> company. Right. Um, and even now, as we've grown and scaled, I try to maintain that with our team. I remind folks that when when you have a distance between yourself and the learner over time and space because of the technology, it's even more to let your, it's even more important to let your humanity shine. Most people do the opposite. As soon as the camera's on, they start talking like a robot or a GPS device. It's even more important when you're doing a video or when you're writing software that you're passionate about it, that it shows in the work. If you don't sound excited, the student's not going to be excited. If you don't let yourself be low stress and comfortable and laugh at yourself, well, then it's going to be stressful for the student. Uh, if you're not interested, the student's not going to be interested. So how do, you th- how do you believe that the educational system, well entrenched in this country, and I know you work on a global basis, but I'm just curious about the U.S., where we know there's tons of money spent, but depending on where you live and your access, you can get a much better education than others. How is it, can something like Khan Academy, and how are you working with schools that are maybe undersourced, under-resourced, uh, as well, that can kind of up the game for the kids who are at those schools? We've seen over the last 10 years, there's 50 efficacy studies done on Khan Academy. I believe we're the most researched uh, technology, mm-hmm. ed technology platform out there, that if students are able to engage in their zone of proximal development, in their learning edge, for even 30, 45 minutes a week, that they're growing 20, 30% faster. But we realize that it's great that all of these teachers on their, on their own, hundreds of thousands of teachers and parents and students have decided to use it in a grassroots way. But if we really want to serve all students, we have to work more formally with districts. And we have to integrate with other things that they're doing. We have a partnership with NWEA, which is a standardized testing body, mm-hmm. administers something called the MAP Growth Assessment. It's taken by 20% of students. Historically, one of the biggest critiques of standardized testing is, okay, it's great to measure where you are, but then what do you do with that? So our partnership with the NWEA is all about, hey, you take that standardized test, and then that can inform what your learning edge is. That can inform a personalized learning plan on Khan Academy. And that's what we've been doing systemically with districts. Our partnership with the College Board around the SAT, we're the official practice partner for the SAT. We've seen a lot of school districts want to also use that. Once again, they're integrating these different pieces that have always existed, the MAP growth test, the SAT. But now they're integrating that with personalized practice so that they can really meet the kids where they are. I'm thinking about the parents that are listening uh, and thinking about their kids over this summer. What's your advice for parents and caregivers on what they can do with their kids this summer? I would say, depending on the age of your child, target 30 to 90 minutes a day of continued academic learning. The summer is always an opportunity to refresh and maybe even get ahead, but this summer is going to be that much more important. Take a look at ConAcademy.org. Take a look at Schoolhouse.World. If you have younger kids between the ages of three and seven, check out our app. It's available on Android and iOS. 
uh, Khan Academy Kids. It has hundreds of books. It has activities, social, emotional learning, math, reading, writing. Uh, but on top of that, you know, build that habit every day and ideally continue that habit as you go into the school year. 30 minutes of math and science on Khan Academy. Do some reading together. Do some journaling. Get into the habit of writing. Have something interesting to talk about every day at lunch or at dinner. And then on top of that, just make sure that, that the kids are getting back into the pattern of social socialization, getting time outside, getting their blood flowing. Uh, which, you know, Khan Academy doesn't do, but it's just as important as the academic. Well, I'm always hopeful when I listen to you. What's next for you? Just got 20 seconds here. Where else can you take this? We continue to expand into, you know, 50-plus languages. We have the science push. The schoolhouse.world just released something called a series where people can join essentially a class for multiple sessions over Mm -hmm. the summer. I encourage people to check that out. And, you know, I think... It's not as delusional to imagine a free world-class education for anyone anywhere. It's so great. You're just kind of mind-blowing when it comes to education. Sal, thank you. Sal Khan, he's the founder of Khan Academy, joining us on the phone in Mountain View, California.